Hello and welcome to Prodcast, the number one podcast for product teams. The Prodcast podcast is dedicated to bringing you key insights and learnings from the world's finest product managers and product leaders. The only sustainable competitive advantage in your career is to continually learn and grow. And the Prodcast podcast is all about democratizing shared learning for product teams. On today's episode, you're going to hear from Tommy Forstrom, VP of Product at Teachable. Tommy has spent his whole career in tech, from software engineering to consulting to now product management and product leadership for companies such as Splice and Shutterstock and now Teachable. In Tommy's time in product, he's discovered something that most PMs don't. Whereas many PMs run from their sales teams and the constant barrage of feature requests they bring, Tommy suggests that the answer to the conflict between product and sales is actually going deeper in your engagement with them. This was such a treat, and I know you'll enjoy this too. So let's get started. Hey, Tommy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. So, Tommy, to kick things off, could you give the, the listeners a brief introduction of yourself and what you do? Absolutely. So I'm currently the VP of product at Teachable, which is a platform that empowers people to convert their knowledge into revenue. Um, basically, we allow people to build online courses and sell their, their services. And we handle the kind of management of their product and the monetization component and fulfillment thereof. Before that, I've done a number of different gigs. I started out as a software engineer way back in the 90s went through engineering management at some point learned about this crazy thing called product management uh kind of cut my chops on that side and became vp of product at shutterstock for music video and api products uh and then kind of danced between product and business roles for a while and <clears throat> just before teachable i was at at insight partners uh, which is a venture capital company focused on growth stage companies um consulting their portfolio on product leadership uh, matters and product strategy and then kind of teachable is me uh, going into the realm of growth stage companies trying to apply everything I learned in my time at, at insight and uh, yeah I'm super stoked at you know the, the company stage and what we're doing right now very cool sounds like a lot of great experiences yeah, it's, it's been a good ride so far. Uh, I could think of a lot of worse ways to spend a couple of decades. <laughs> For sure. Cool. So really excited to get into the topic of today. Um, it, it's ironic, just an hour or two ago, I was talking to one of our dev managers about some uh, cross-departmental collaboration that is uh, being necessitated based on some things that we're trying to do, and that includes sales. And so... Um, you know, you wrote an article last year around why product people should embrace their sales teams and not run from them. And so I'm really curious, like what inspired the, the article? What, what was kind of the motive behind it? Yeah, um, a lot of that kind of came from working really closely at Insight with companies that were like much more either like upper mid-market or enterprise focused, which means your go-to-market motion is quite quite likely to be very sales driven. And, you know, I was trying to spar these companies, product orgs to really kind of lead the way in how the business needs to grow. But I think people had kind of gotten this notion of like everything should be product led, which means like 
if growth is product-led, the company needs to be product-led and all these other functions should be, should be somehow subservient to product. And that's a horrible stance to take because even though in a SaaS company, product is kind of the, at the center, like if you're a software company, the, the product, the software you're creating is the thing that kind of ties the whole organization together. It doesn't mean that you get to kind of rule the roost and be like, you know, what we do is the law. And a lot of product teams, especially in sales driven organizations, really undervalue like the crazy multiplicative value of a good sales organization. And more importantly, a strong connection between product and sales in, in like, that's like reciprocal in nature. So I was just like, I was trying to reflect on some of those things I was seeing on the ground and kind of the, the constant like, oh, how do we like, how do we prevent sales from doing all sorts of dumb things? And they never get it. They're just trying to close a deal. But then I wanted to pose the question of like, yeah, but what have you done? Like, how have you tried to make that situation better? Absolutely. And, and that's, that's one of the big takeaways I had from the article is that it almost felt like, it almost felt kind of like my fault as I was reading it. Like I, I should take some ownership and, and bridging that gap between uh, product and sales that, that can often exist when we're trying to avoid all the feature requests and the fact that we know that they're trying to close deals. Um, but what, what does that deeper engagement look like? So you mentioned that we shouldn't be avoiding sales, but we should be engaging deeper with them. So, so what does that deeper engagement look like? So first of all, especially if you're in B2B and especially if you're in like kind of mid, mid market to enterprise B2B, like you really can't be in product without understanding the way that product is brought to market. So the first step is really, I mean, we're product people, we're all high and mighty about how deeply empathetic to our customers we are. We should be able to apply that empathy to other functions and understand what does that sales process, what does the sales pipeline look like? How do you do sales operations at scale? Like what do deal cycle lengths look like? Like what does all that stuff, like what does it take to bring your product to market? And to be deeply empathetic on also like, what is sales as a function like? Like I think I mentioned in the article, sales is kind of like a hammer. It's like hammer is an, a hammer is an amazing tool if you apply a direction and momentum with it. But if you just swing it around aimlessly, really bad things are going to happen. And I don't, I'm not saying this to try and kind of dumb down sales, but like sales is kind of a blunt force object in that, you know, they're usually incentive driven, meaning they, they work on commission. Um, they're trained to take a thing into a briefcase and like pound the pavement like crazy. Um, and there's a lot of like direction that that takes. So kind of in absence of like clear understanding of what they're selling, they're going to sell whatever to whomever. So to me, like the, the first step to making that relationship is a deep mutual understanding of like, who is the customer? How do we qualify a customer for our product? What are the value props that this product actually fulfills? If you're going to sell something with a value prop that that product doesn't fulfill, you're going to have some disappointment. And then more importantly, have a really good understanding of where is the, how big is that gray area of kind of what can you sell that the product doesn't really do today? Like where is that wiggle room? Because that's the other thing I, I say in that article is, sales debt which is or sell forward or whatever label you want to put on selling things that you don't have today but you probably will have in three to six months that's a really useful tool if you apply it properly or it's like the most 
confidence eroding or trust eroding and kind of uh, cross-functional relationship destroying thing in the world if it's if it runs the mock but honestly the first step to that is really that shared deep shared understanding of who is that customer what are those value props and and articulating it in ways that sales really understands which really kind of means like if you sell to these types of people with these value props you're going to get your christmas bonus because again understanding how the function works is really critical to that relationship yeah that's great i love how you mentioned empathy right because as, as pms we're always, you know, we're supposed to be customer centric and have empathy for our customers, but having empathy for internal stakeholders like sales uh, is is a big deal too. So I'm I'm glad that you you brought that out. And you mentioned sales debt, which is something else I wanted to touch on, uh, maybe a little bit a little bit deeper. You mentioned how in the article how sales debt, like technical debt, can be horrible in the long term if used incorrectly, but could be a powerful weapon if used correctly so could could you maybe give an example of how uh sales debt could be used in a proper manner to create uh, that exponential benefit yeah absolutely and i i also i want to like err on the side of 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 over explicitness in caveating that what i'm about to say the higher up the market you go the more this becomes useful and the more you operate in kind of lower mid-market or even kind of smb the more dangerous what i'm about to say is um, but especially when you're operating kind of a, a high ARPU, low logo count business, meaning that you maybe you only have 100 customers, but you make, you know, gazillions of revenue off of them. Um, you're always going to be kind of in this weird zone between product and service, meaning that your product, a big part of your offering might actually be customization and, and professional services. And like what I mean by the whole sales debt as, as a tool is that in that environment, you're always having to slightly sell in anticipation of what features your product might have. And, and as such, sales debt becomes a really good gauge by which to navigate towards real product market fit. Meaning if you have a really fluid and fluent conversation or even interaction with sales on understanding where those gaps are, where you can either sell your product as is, or you're constantly having to kind of sell either like unscalable professional services, meaning like you hack something together on a customer by customer basis without monetizing that, or you're having to sell on promises like, yeah, that's in the roadmap for Q3. That can be a really good compass to navigate towards real bulletproof product market fit. But again, there's this fine balance between sales debt as something that enables sales to just close quotas and kind of hit their numbers. Um, and then, you know, sales that used in a systematic way to triangulate towards product market fit. So again, like that's kind of a fine line you have to strike. And probably having some parameters with your sales teams around what, what's acceptable to, to talk about and what, what, where that line gets crossed. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and even like pushing that even further, like, doing uh, doing active sales ride-alongs. And I know that's sometimes a very fragile topic on does sales want to have somebody from product or any part of the technology org ride along for sales. Um, but that's, again, like that empathy that I mentioned earlier has to be used to build that trust. Like nobody wants somebody with them on a sales call if it, if it increases your risk of botching that call. But if, it's, if you can view it as a value add, uh, you're going to get invited to every possible sales call ever. And using that awareness as a means to kind of 
navigate that the, the leash that you give for sales debt can be really a critical component of that process. But yeah, you're right. Like again, it all kind of comes back down to this like mutual shared understanding of what our product does out of the box, what's super easy to customize, what's annoyingly laborious to customize, and what is stuff that needs to be built but could be built in you know the next three months, next six months, and then what is just batshit crazy to even consider promising. <laughs> Absolutely. And so you mentioned how th that relationship can be fragile whenever product or anyone wants to go for a sales ride along. Um, I've experienced that and it, it seems mind blowing at first, but you can, you can kind of empathize of why, why that might be, uh, why there might be pushback to that. But what's something that you've seen work well, whether it's like how you position it or like, what have you seen be effective in order to get sales to kind of buy off on you going along with them? Uh, yeah, I think, so if I take a slight step back into abstraction, I think again, like that building of the trust that you can use as that foundation to have that mutual language and that starting to get invites to sales right alongs is really showing sales that you understand what their world is like, which means like talk their language, uh, understand how their compensation structures work, understand how you know, the sales operations process works. And once you've clearly shown that you get it you're going to be treated like a partner not as some like you know stakeholder managing project manager somewhere down in a request pipeline uh, and then the last push to get invited to sales ride-alongs is you have to kind of understand the sales mindset which is like as product people we're often biased to know, right? Like we're over honest, we're over realistic and we go in front of customers who are like, yeah, that's probably a bad idea or that's probably never going to happen or our product doesn't really do that. And the salesperson is like kicking you in the shin, like don't say it like that, like at least try. Like you have to learn to understand what that sales mindset is and show that, you know, you're willing to play by the rules of, of that game. Um, so again, like if you, if you, get perceived as somebody who's who's increasing the risk of that deal not happening uh you probably won't get invited back so you have to bite your tongue in that moment like even if it's something that you're talking about something that's like you know probably not gonna happen uh, that conversation should be had internally later on like how do we actually navigate this this uh this prospect here but like you definitely don't need shouldn't be like overly producty in front of a, a prospective customer so it's just thing, little things like that that build sales trust in that they can bring you along and then ultimately getting to a place where actually you're a value add like you know sales loves having a product person along who can actually talk about the you know customer obsession and like the the broader market and what we do to other customers because product usually has much better perspective than sales on that stuff so if you can really think about what value for sales can you bring to the table when joining a sales call you'll get invited back every single time that's really good and so i'm sure as, as pms are listening right now who either have tried to go for sales ride-alongs or tried to engage deeper with with sales and it hasn't hasn't worked real well um, what would, or maybe they're going to try for the first time, what would be that first step that you would suggest to start building that trust and that relationship? Is there any best practice you have for someone who's maybe trying to take that first step towards that relationship? Yeah. Um, honestly, crawl, walk, run, like 
don't go, don't try and like skip through the, the steps here. Like it, building trust and build, building a reciprocal relationship takes time and kind of small increments. So just first, just kind of start creating relationships, like create real, like mutually respecting relationships with salespeople and like take the time to learn what they do, why they do what they're doing. Uh, even if you can figure out kind of how your company does sales ops, how your company does sales compensation. So you can kind of start peeking behind the curtain on what motivates them, what, what they're afraid of, what they're excited by. Um, it all starts from stuff like that. Uh, and then building that partnership from there on out. And then honestly, like, like I said, sales is a pretty brute force function, which talks in dollars and cents. And if you go in, into those relationships talking about like velocities and scopes and, you know, kind of product talk, which is, you know, the lingua franca of our, our um, craft, you need to be able to talk dollars and cents. You need to be able to talk about, you know, conversion rates in the sales pipeline. You need to talk their language. Otherwise they're just going to stare at you like, yeah, cool. Like your three-year initiative. What about my next quarter quota? Definitely. So in the same way that we're trying to get customer insights and data from them, if we can go in and share some valuable insights or data or things that will be a benefit to them and in their pocketbook, so to speak, um, that, that's a good, a good step. Yeah. And honestly, like your best kind of uh, wing person in this thing is actually like if you have a product marketing uh, function or anything like that, that's like kind of there to art to help you articulate the value props, like really good sales enablement materials go a long way. Like good definitions of like personas or target segments and kind of like better qualification on like who demonstrably is the golden customer for us. And then really well articulate, whether it's like brochures or web pages or you know, whatever that make it easier to understand, like if I sell these value props, to these types of customers, the cash register is going to sing all day long. Um, those also go a long way. So again, the question of like, if you're constantly hammered with like very uh, reactive um, prescribed sales requirements coming to you, you need to ask yourself, like, what do I do to get ahead of this? And the, the, the answer there is really kind of, cutting that problem from the source, which is getting clear definitions of who you're building and why, or who you're building for and why. Absolutely. And it, it's starting to sound like a, a virtuous cycle almost, right? Because we have a feature or a product that we're building and we want to take it to market and we want to see it be successful, but it's only going to be successful if it gets sold, right? So it only makes sense to have that, that clear um, engagement between product product marketing and sales to make sure that sales is positioning the product correctly and that you know through the market segmentation that we've done with the marketing teams that they're able to value prop certain parts of the product with certain customers well to enhance their opportunity to sell and then in turn they'll reciprocate by giving us insights from those customers they're trying to sell to yeah 100 percent, and it's it's it definitely is a virtuous cycle uh, by all, all measures. And, um, you know, I, I actually like, I've kind of grown allergic to the notion of like stakeholder management as like a part of product management. Usually if you find yourself managing stakeholders, that should be a little bit of a sign that somebody understands your business or your customer better than you, or at least you don't have the evidence to back your, if you think you know them better and you find yourself managing stakeholders, that means you haven't convinced your stakeholders adequately to kind of, let you 
run the show. So if you're constantly finding yourself kind of stakeholder managing sales, that means you're nowhere near alignment. And it's probably you as a product person that needs to get ahead of it by having clear evidence, both qualitative and quantitative on like what the direction is. And also being super aware of like, if you're over biasing on long-term returns, there's a function that's, that's driving the go-to-market of your product that is kind of you, you eat what you kill, right? So sales as a function, if they don't make sales this quarter, they don't eat this quarter. So you also have to understand sometimes you have to, uh, you know, do a little bit of short-term, even though I know product is always optimizing for the long-term, you got to give a little bit rope for the short-term to keep that trust going and keep those deals closing. Yeah, that, that's really good. Well, Tommy, I really appreciate this. This was great insight into why we should be engaging deeper with sales and, and how to go about it. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing from your experiences on, on how to do this and why we should. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, I, I strongly encourage product managers right now to consider the world of B2B product management. There's, there's a talent gap in product management in general, but in B2B and especially like sales-driven B2B, if you can really kick ass in that segment as a product manager, you will not run out of like really prominent jobs, I guarantee you. That, that's another really good tidbit. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. All right, well, it was a pleasure having you on, Tommy, and uh, take care amongst all this craziness. Uh, stay healthy out there. You as well. Take care. That was Tommy Forstrom, VP of Product at Teachable. I love Tommy's advice on that whys and hows behind engaging more deeply with your sales teams. There can be so much value in cross-functional collaboration, and this is one area that has been neglected for too long. I'm glad product leaders like Tommy are shedding light on untapped sources of value and how to realize that value in your organization. To find Tommy's article and to follow him on Medium, I've linked the article in the show notes. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode as we continue to bring you key insights from the world's finest product managers and product leaders. To help others find us, feel free to share this episode and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app and a review telling others what you like about the show. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Podcast.